You're listening to Look at My Records. This is episode 145. For this edition of the podcast, I chatted with Josh and Matt of New Jersey's Where Is My Spaceship? The duo just dropped a brand new record called Can't Lose, and it's an intense and thrashing 14-song collection. During our interview, we chatted about the duo's origins in the late aughts, the recording process behind Can't Lose, and a whole lot more. We'll dive into our interview right after the jump. If you're interested in hearing more episodes of Look at My Records, they're available on all streaming platforms. Please remember to rate, review, like, and subscribe on your platform of choice. I also encourage you to check out the Look at My Records website, where you can find reviews, playlists, premieres of new music, and a whole lot more. Check it out at lookatmyrecords.com. Dot com. All right, let's let's get this started. I'm here with Josh and Matt of Where Is My Spaceship. Hello. Hey, what's up? Greetings. How you both doing today? Pretty good. Pretty uh. Stoked to be on this podcast. This is our first podcast. Happy to take your podcast virginity. Very proud. <laughs> very, very proud. I mean, I don't know. That. I don't think I really ascribe to the to the concept of podcast virginity. Well, you do now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, but uh but yeah, no, we're yeah, we're stoked. This is cool. Cool, I'm stoked too. Been listening to your new record. Your new record, Can't Lose, is out now. I'm getting some time traveling vibes from it. Tell me about that. I think. I think there's a lot of time travel in this record. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. I mean, let's think here. Um, well, there's, there's one song that's on the record that I wrote during the last album cycle, and I've always kind of felt... Like, it didn't feel like it fit then, and now every time I think about that song, I feel like I went back in time now to write it in my former, you know, younger self's body, like, two years ago. Yeah. Uh, that that seems pretty accurate, because the song fits, like, perfectly with what we're doing now, man. Um, it's wild. It's foresight. Um, and then, uh, I don't know, there, there, there are just a couple of songs. Um, uh, there's, there's a bunch of lyrical stuff. One, uh, you know, where traveling back to before the uh, beginning of all creation and looking out on how everything happened and seeing that uh, the decisions that led me to uh, picking a fight with the bouncer and rambling incoherently at him were like all perfectly legit and uh, that I was right in that situation. Nice. It's picking a fight with the bouncer. You were correct. That's good to know because those situations usually... You're incorrect. No, I didn't Not you specifically, yeah. but I'd say generally, people that pick fights with bouncers, it's usually not a good outcome. So it's good to know that you were correct in doing that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I definitely think, uh, I think that the, the speaker in the song, The Prime Fucking Mover is correct. Yeah. I like sure. that song, The Prime Fucking Mover, a lot. Yeah. That's a really, really good song. A lot of great songs on the record. It's really mostly high energy and super intense, which I really dug. 
But before we get into the record, I want to ask you how this project start. It's been around for like a decade, so that's cool. And Josh, was it primarily your solo project did this start as? Tell me a little bit about the direction of the project, how it started, and kind of just how it's progressed to this point. <clears throat> okay. Uh, yeah, the... So where is my spaceship as a name? I mean, I've been doing music since, you know, since I was like, I don't know, 15, 14. So, uh, whatever, like 16 years, whatever. So I've been doing it for a while. Um, and, uh, and that name for some reason kind of just came up as a moniker for me when I was around, like, but the actual content of the project has shifted over the years. Matt came into it pretty early. I think that you were involved as early as like 2000 nine when i was doing the weird christmas ep stuff because there were a few of those that were all like weird anti-christmas albums which i think i'm giving up as a bit i really don't want like 80 percent of my discography to be like jokey holiday songs <laughs> everybody hates christmas dude. i mean no i think that some of that shit was fun and like i think everybody hates christmas that video is wild but uh i want to yeah. interject here and just say that like for multiple Christmases in a row, I would be, let's listen. Uh, we would be, you know, hanging with my family and I'd be like, let's listen to my friend Josh's new Christmas record. <laughs> and, um, I would play it for Did them. Did you really do that? I had no idea. And, yeah. Multiple years oh in a row. God, that's amazing. And, and every time they're just like, this is not Christmas music. <laughs> were you covering Christmas songs in your own style or were you writing your own Christmas songs? No, it was such a weird, it was just like, um, uh, they were just sort of like uh, bummer takes on Christmas concepts, right? So like, I don't know, like Frosty or Rudolph doesn't have any friends, um, or uh, like the elves are like compelled servitude or... Uh, nice. Uh, like, like whatever, you know, and so they're just these weird kind of little narratives around those different concepts. I had another one that was like the Joseph and Mary thing, but like Joseph was like bitter about it, which was inspired by this uh, song called The Cherry Tree Carol, which Matt actually showed me. I remember all those years ago, man. But uh, but yeah, so there, there it was just a bunch of weird, uh, just like weird, dumb conceptual stuff. It was fun. It, it definitely got me where I'm, what to what I'm doing now. We played together on a couple of different things. We were also in a different band called Swansaw, which was big in Russia. Nice. <laughs> That's wonderful. Well, it, it, I think that like there was like a it was a post rock band, um, like proggy kind of heavy post rock. Yeah, terribly recorded, although pretty impressive for like the fucking dog shit gear we had. I had like four garbage mic, like it was amazing for that. But you know, um, but uh, but yeah, it got like picked up by kind of like post rock forums or something, and then it was floating around on BitTorrent for like years after that, and like had a bunch of Last FM plays and stuff. But you know, eh. um, it was just like a weird internet thing. Internet's weird, man. Think about that a lot. Uh, that's a that's a running thread, probably through the last record, definitely. But uh, but yeah. So uh, I think it really kind of started to turn into what it is now. Whenever I started playing with Matt again, maybe in like 2012, and then we recorded um, mostly Crocodile, which took a pretty long time. And then we kind of started getting. I mean, it's it's basically just been me and Matt, kind of the whole time. But it's driven primarily by me. I write everything. Um, Matt comes along and kind of. Uh, I think gives me some pretty like transformative takes on the arrangement sometimes. And like, we, uh, we kind of work things out. You make the songs a lot better. And, um, 
and then we record it and it's done. Uh, this last one though, we were a lot more collaborative and that was really cool. How'd that change happen that you were more collaborative? Did you just start spending more time together writing or were you bouncing more ideas off of him? How'd that sh shift happen? Well, yeah, I think it was more, um, more because of pandemic. Yeah. Like, you know, it, it kind of changed our process. Whereas like normally Josh would write a lot of songs and then I'd kind of like think about them and come to his house and spend a couple of days like working the parts out together and, you know, like recording all the drums and doing that. But this time, obviously we were like working separately. So Josh has all his recording shit at home and I have, I put like a little demo rig together and I was able, we were able to bounce back and forth, you know, like drum parts and weird edits and stuff. So it was like in some ways not being able to play together, we'd, we did the most like playing together air quotes of like any of the projects, like albums that we've done before. Then once we got into the studio, we were recording at this place North End and we did the drums there and it was just like, it's, I mean, it's, just, it's a great place to work. I love that studio and we were both feeling it and just kind of like decided to keep going, track everything there. And it was just, Josh and I, so like naturally we have a good kind of like feedback system and you know, we like, we both kind of like riff off each other pretty easily. So there was a lot of, ooh, try this, ooh, try that, ooh, don't do that, you know, that kind of thing. So it was like, yeah, the, the most collaboration we've done. Yeah. And it turned out pretty, I, I really enjoyed a lot of the, the kind of crazy different threads that we got into. The thing that I think I like working about you, Matt, is that I love that like at the end of every tangent, there's always definitely like an amazing idea. And so we just kind of like, just, just sort of endure the tangent. Like you're like, okay, yeah, let's, let's like check this out. You know, you're like, right. yeah. You got a comedy pyramid yourself <laughs> up to the good ideas. Totally. I don't know. I don't know. What it, I don't know what a comedy pyramid is. It's it's like a triangular in shape, well. but it's funny. <laughs> awesome. So this record, Can't Lose, really intense. I feel like I was listening to it compared to Never Unhappy, and I feel like the songs are more intense than they were on Never Unhappy. Wh what do you think of that? How would you compare the two releases, and what prompted you to go in that direction? So... I think I, I like both records a lot, um, but I do think that there was kind of something that clicked for me on this one, if that makes sense. Yeah. I kind of uh, detached from a lot of the ways that I was previously approaching songwriting. A lot of my lyrics in this one, I think, are a little less narrative. And I, I think that also somehow just, and maybe it was also part of the studio process and working really closely with Matt, but I think that the arrangements are just a lot more kind of together. They just make a lot more sense. You know, it feels a little bit less like uh, like my cool project that I'm doing in my house. Totally. <laughs> you know, like it's so like this, these feel like you know, yeah, like the the parts are pretty. I don't know. We got really intense with a lot of this stuff. Like there was a, a lot of like pretty long studio days too. I've never played guitar that much. And I really like your vocal delivery, Josh. It's like I said, really intense and full of emotion. It must be also emotionally and physically draining to sing like that. I'm curious, how do you prepare to go into the studio uh, before doing vocal takes and stuff like that? And how are you able to convey that feeling through your 
vocals because the intensity level is definitely really high on several songs on the record. Uh, yeah, th that's that is the most apt description of like exactly what I'm trying to do that I've ever heard. So thanks. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> um, yeah. So how do I, uh, Matt, what was in my bag whenever I, like when I walked into the studio and I dumped out my bag, what did I bring as my prep? Mostly weed. <laughs> <laughs> you think that wouldn't help. <laughs> yeah, I think like, like six. Mostly weed and cigarettes. <laughs> and like, look for one. Yeah, yeah, just like, just like four, like, like two, two 12 packs of uh, LaCroix and like an ass ton of cigarettes. <laughs> I don't know. I don't really prepare. Um, and I don't really practice that much. I think that basically what ends up happening inevitably every fucking record is that we do this, the really intense production process, right? Where we get really into it and, you know, and, and, and then we, we finish the record and I don't really do a lot of playing out. So I don't really keep in shape. And my voice just goes like, like back, back to kind of shit, you know? And then whenever I get to writing, it's like, okay, well, I can't really sing, but I start the writing process and I basically start practicing as I'm writing. So it's all just practicing via recording and I just have to keep that momentum yeah. going. Um, and so by the time we get to recording the album, I have been practicing, but like, it's not actually practicing. So that's the prep, I guess. And then we just kind of rolled into the studio and just went with it. And it was really a lot. It was really exhausting. I can imagine. Do you get yourself into like a mental place to deliver that type of performance? Uh, I think, yeah, I think I've always done that. But for this one, I think it was a whole different level of it actually i think that i really something that we tried to do i think was really kind of engage with like the 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 content and with the intention of the lines and the lyrics at least i know i was doing that a lot and trying to think about you know like what makes sense for the for the delivery and, and it's weird because you want to you want to be you want your delivery to be like emotionally evocative but you don't want it to be hammy but you yeah. do want to be you could be over the top you could be really intense and that's a good like flavor, but there's just like a, there's a, there's some, I don't know exactly what it is, but there's some kind of like stylistic, like vocabulary that you kind of have to stay sort of around if that makes sense. Um, yeah, totally. Like it has to make sense to the listener. And so you can't go completely off the rails. Um, but, but, but that intensity, yeah. Um, that's something that I've always kind of like really pushed for. And I do think that I got really, really, really in that headspace, really engaged with everything. Well, I think one thing that you do that like not because I record with other people. So like everyone has their own style or, you know, their process and everything. But I think one thing that you're like while we're working on the music, anything like the drums or whatever, like working on the music, we're also like as we're taking breaks, we're like we're always kind of discussing like the relevant material at hand you know we do like bullshit and uh, tell funny stories and shit like that but also like i think the majority of the time that we're talking it's about content of what we're like the lyrics like why and like all that so it's kind of it keeps it keeps you in like a singularly focused thing you know it's like you get that kind of laser beam focus and i think that that's a thing that helps the process and I, I, not a lot of people do that and you know what was cool is even when we're not talking about the record we're still talking about the record because yeah. we kept such a tight momentum like with with other albums that i've done right it's been like oh over the course of 
four years, I wrote this magnum, this like amazing album. <laughs> oh, great. Yeah, wow. And now I'm going to record these fucking 10 songs that I wrote over the course of four years that are all written by like, what? This, that's like t 10 songs, 10 different iterations of me that I, I relate to maybe like, you know, half of them, you know? So it's just like, it's, it's you know, it's, it's, it's hard to keep on engaging with material like that. But this time we went straight, it, I wrote every, uh, there is only one song that is more than like three months old. Everything was just written and demoed and we went straight into just like we were, I wasn't even sure if we were ready to start, but it was just like, I don't know. Uh, you ready? Let's do it. Okay, when are we gonna do it? Next week? All right. And we just kind of just fucking rolled with it. We're yeah, doing we're it. We're doing it. Yeah. And it came out amazing. I think that's important. Like, it's one way, like, there's a million different ways to work on a record and, you know, crafting or like gathering your acorns over the years and like do doing it that way is one thing. But when you have, like, you don't always get that hot hand of like you're pumping out songs and it's like happening really fast. So when, once, that if, if that does happen i feel like you gotta go with it and that, i was kind of like pushing that i was like let's just get let's get in there <laughs> you know kind of thing and because it doesn't always happen that way sometimes it's a battle and it takes a long time to put together an album you know yeah and i can imagine if it takes a long time and you're gathering acorns from several different over the course of several different years i'm sure it's challenging to put those together yeah, it's a cohesive record because these are songs that are coming from different times in your life. And just with the passage of time, you're inspired by different things. Sonically, you're experiencing different things in your life as well. So, yeah, it sounds like kind of getting in and doing it hot, like you're talking about, is c conducive to, to better results, probably. Well, yeah, and that's, I think that I've talked to, Matt, I've talked to you about this. I know that I was talking to a, our friend Steve, who's, who's in, who's in Young Legs. Uh, <laughs> I, I did a shout out. No, I'm just um, But, uh, but uh, no, but I was talking to, to him about this, and I think I talked to you about this, Matt. Um, that uh, I, I don't really think that people that are writing songs know what's good. Like, I don't think you know why, exactly yeah. whether or not your idea that you found is good. And it may actually take you a while to figure that out. And so you could, like sit there and think about the song for like four years or you could just find out with everybody else <laughs> like yeah <laughs> you know i mean just like just just i i think that the the more experienced i get with songwriting the more it just feels like the important thing is to just like like write more songs just just keep on going yeah. and just keep on exploring your fucking brain and exploring ideas and trying to uh, it, it's just to to uh, to expand where you're looking and what you're looking at you know like what what are you not even you don't have to talk about new things you could talk about the same thing but i think that there's there's just something to like like kind of like spreading your perspective a little bit you know yeah totally i totally see what you're saying there's some songs on the record that i want to ask you about that i was really drawn to first fucking fucked for reasons you know i love the word fuck and <laughs> i also think everything is fucking fucked but i was curious about what your mindset was when you were writing that song because i think everything is fucking fucked but i was wondering if your interpretation of what is fucking fucked was a little more micro or more macro or maybe a little bit of both 
I think that I wrote that song really quickly in kind of a blur. At, um, I don't remember where this kind of happened in the songwriting cycle. It, it's just, uh, it's, it's, I guess that song is about the, the claustrophobia of um, not just of quarantine, but just sort of, uh, it just, I think more and more everything just kind of feels like the walls are closing in on us, right? It's like uh, like yeah. dystopia upon dystopia upon dystopia. It's uh, it's just like everything that you saw in all the all the all the fucking sci-fi books that I was reading when I was a kid. Where I was like, wow, that's wild. Rich people are, could just like live forever, and then everybody just has to work for them. That's crazy. <laughs> that would never happen. No, but like you know, like fuck, man. You know, like Jesus. So I mean, you know, it's just um, I think that's I guess what it really was, and just you know, and there's some level right that you feel like. You know, uh, like like what 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 could I have done to prevent this? How could I have been more active? What could I have done? Uh, and I think that song kind of engages with that a little bit. Um, you know, like uh, like like could could I have could you know if I could go back and fix it? You know, but then what does that even mean? Yeah, you know, and uh, it's so yeah. I, I guess that's that's what was fucking fucked. I also really like the title track. Can't lose. Uh, reminded me of like a Swirlies song, uh, if you, if you're familiar with that band. No, not. Oh, totally. They rule. How'd that song come together? Um, I definitely started out with just a, I wanted to do like a like a little bit of a guitar focused intro, you know, like a like a like a big guitar track at the start of it, and then uh, I mean it's it's just sort of pedaling on that one lyric, right, and just kind of doing the build. Um, the samples that came into it were sort of organic. They sort of happened. One of them is Matt, uh, just sort of uh, just talking. Uh, I, I got him to say that, <laughs> and then I used it. <laughs> I know it's just so fun. I got him to say the fucking dumbest thing. <laughs> like uh, I, I was, it was what was it? it was, um, do you remember, man? Is this about the yeah. trains? We were just on the fire escape, and it was kind of creepy because the nj transit runs right by the studio and you know we were working on this in like whatever like march or april or whatever and the trains would just kept going by empty <laughs> yeah so i don't know i said some shit about that oh no you know what it was empty trains no one to ride them they just go back and forth forever <laughs> i think i nice. i told you to say that specifically and then, like, I went back through my notes, and I was like, "Oh shit, that's hilarious!" And I just put it. And then there was some other stuff that I got from a party. There's my friend Val, my friend Quinn, and uh, I don't know. Um, how did it come together? I think that I really wanted that song. Uh, a lot of what's on the record may feel like a little dismal, but it's not per se, you know. And I think that that's always kind of been a thread in what I'm doing, right? That like that kind of just like keep going you know and uh and that's like that's like the the title of the record before uh, uh die failing right um and uh this one can't lose right so it's that kind of like sentiment that's like a big overarching i think idea of where's my spaceship um and so i wanted this to kind of be like a big like push of kind of that as like an anthem all right so let's play some songs from the record let's play past the brake lights sick at heart and bury me in your mansion's crawl space. Tell me a little bit about these songs uh, before we play them. Okay, so uh, brake lights has uh, got a got a motorcycle vibe, right? Um, Hell yeah! I think, uh, and um, 
you know, it's like leaving something behind. Maybe there's that, that's another probably like general sense if I want to do thematic analysis of my own music. Shouldn't I let other people do that? Um, but uh, yeah, um, it's like leaving something behind. Uh, and then uh, Sick at Heart. Oh, and I think Break Life's, you know, we wanted it to feel kind of um, kind of really like like big and uh, a little more like we leaned into some 80s elements, right? I think that we took some nods from a little bit of a little tiny smidge of hair metal. A little, little flavor of hair metal in here like that. Um, maybe a smidge. I feel like I did not hear hair metal. Okay. But maybe I'm just, you know, I'm just a lay person. <laughs> I'm not a musician, <laughs> so I don't know. It's okay. Maybe I didn't mix the parts that I'm talking about loud enough or clearly enough for anybody to hear it. So I'll just know that the possibility's there, which is always a risk whenever you're doing this shit, man. Like, you, mixing is so weird because you have to make the details apparent. And it can't just be because you know they're there or you can hear them, which is why it's maybe a dicey choice for me to engineer my own stuff. I'm rethinking it for the next record, actually. I don't know if I want to do it next time. Okay, cool. Yeah, anyway. Um, and then, okay, so, and then, right, so, so, Sick at Heart. Um, okay, so, Sick at Heart, uh, I think um, it's about uh, it's about this time that, uh, that, that me and my friend Steven uh, actually went. Uh, we, like, got out of work one day. We worked at the same place, and we... Uh, went and bought skateboards and we were like, yeah, we're gonna skateboard. We're gonna skateboard this is like six or seven years ago And then we went out and we skateboarded for like 15 minutes and then we went like Oh, put the skateboards away and never skateboarded again ever nice. Yeah, um, it happens man Yeah, and that kind of happens, went off, you know, yeah Sometimes um, you just need to make an impulse purchase Do it for 10 minutes and then put it away never to be used again yeah, 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 but I, but I think that that's actually the thing, right? That that's the idea of the song in a way too. Like it's um, it's just like letting go of things, you know, uh, yeah, you know, stuff that you wanted. Yeah. Last question, actually, before we play the songs, I'm curious about your own mixing process because over the course of us talking and setting this up, you've mixed the songs multiple times is that mixing it once and then going back and like tweaking with it again or are you just slowly working through each song and you're sending updated ones what's your process like for that well uh i thought i was done um about a month ago now you know, I, I was like texting Matt. I was like, yeah, they're totally done. And then I was sitting there and I was listening to them and I was thinking about this advice that Nick, uh, Nick Bolton from Holy Tapes Mastering. In yeah, Jesus City. yeah, Nick, yeah, he's great. Um, it's something that he said last time around for Never Unhappy. He was like, you know, dude, I think that there's something up with your room. Like you're cutting a lot of mid-range frequencies out. And I was thinking about it and I was like, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Maybe examine this. Does this actually sound... And then I realized that I was doing so many things completely wrong. And I had to basically completely break my fucking process of mixing a little bit. And um, I figured out how do I think bring a lot more clarity. And I relearned a lot of fundamental stuff that I just didn't know. Um, so, I mean, yeah, that was kind of what was wild about this record. So, I mean, I'm, I guess my process is that I'm constantly trying to figure out how to do it, but I don't really know how to do it, but I'm doing okay. Yeah. It's got to be challenging being immersed in your own work like that. Matt, do you play a role in that at all as kind of assisting or providing relief sort of to Josh if he's 
into his stuff a little too much because I'm sure it can get really cyclical and you're not hearing everything you want to be able to hear and you kind of just need someone else to listen to it, right? Yeah. I'm, I like... I'm sure Josh wishes that I listen to his mixes more, but I have this problem because I'm a drummer, you see, and I have this problem where like I could, I'll listen to all these different mixes and I'm, and it's like, I can't, I, it all sounds the same to me. Like I've been in, in the room so many times with a guitar player being like, like tweaking their amp and they're like, all right, what about this? You know, how's it? And the whole time I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, nothing, yeah. like nothing is changing to, in my ears. So, but I mean, yeah, I try to, uh, it, I, I try to like give myself a, a break from, cause we listened to it a lot, obviously yeah. as we were tracking it. And it, you know, so that like the sound of us at the studio, like I have that sound imprinted in my brain you know coming out of those monitors so then to like you know it's i have such a bias already for listening like so it's i don't know it's kind of it's almost like you can't be impartial when you're like listening to mixes like you're always gonna hear like unique shit that other people won't hear or you know you assign importance to things you that other people might yeah, not. Absolutely. You're always going to hear what you know is there. Yeah. You know, if you yeah. know it's there, you're going to think it's there and it's totally not there. And that's actually, I think, a problem with my last album's mixing is that I think there's a lot of like potential there. And I think that people that maybe are more familiar with the genre or something can hear the potential or something like some people can kind of get it. But I don't think that I put everything in the record. I feel like there's a bunch of ideas that I didn't get quite clear, you know? And that's an interesting thing to realize and be like, oh, okay, I thought that that sounded really good, but actually I have just like completely unwound my entire understanding of how to mix. And it actually sounded bad, but it's fine. It's still a cool record. The record sounds great. I'm pumped about it. Interested to hear about the mixing process between my guests, Josh and Matt, of Where Is My Spaceship. We're going to hear three songs from their new record can't lose here it is past the brake lights sick at heart and bury me in your mansions crawl space we'll be back everything i used to be is gone but it's okay i didn't need any of it anyway i'm pretty sure i Yeah. 
We're back. We heard three songs from Where Is My Spaceships. Brand new album, Can't Lose. We heard Pass the Brake Lights, Sick at Heart, and Bury Me in Your Mansions, Crawl Space. You can get these tunes via whereismyspaceship.bandcamp.com. And it's available on streaming services too. Yeah, and, no. and it, it, it'll be okay. on. It's 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 on. Yeah, it's available on Bandcamp for pay what you want, and it's on all the streaming services. Hell yeah! Now we're gonna play records from our record collection that you both selected. 
We have a grand total of six records selected by Matt and Josh. I'm going to just go from the top of the list. Replaced by Big Thief off of Two Hands. Tell me, who picked this one? Why'd you pick this one? Big Thief, the it band of the last like four years, totally. Yeah, this was my selection here. Um, yeah, this was one of my like records that I listened to a lot when it came out, and I mean, I picked um, I picked songs, but this whole record, obviously, I really liked a lot, and I, but. It, it, like I've listened to it a bunch because it just like the performances and the way it's recorded, it just like, it feels like you're there in the room, you know, it's like, it's, it's such an like engaging listen, I think for that, that reason alone. And I also think the songs are cool. And I, I mean, this, Replace has like it's probably my favorite cut off that record. Great record, lyrics and vibe wise, you know, it's just awesome. Great band, great record, great song. Checks off all the boxes. Good pick. Yeah. All right. Next, "Nights That Won't Happen" by Purple Mountains off of their self-titled record. Sadly, we lost David Berman last year. It's been yeah. really terrible, terrible, because they were going to play in Jersey City. He was going to play in Jersey City the first night of the Purple Mountains tour. And yeah. unfortunately, we all know what happened, unfortunately. But tremendous lyricist and musician. Yeah, and so, so I picked this one um and it, it, it's kind of like obviously that he died last year or whatever um but that that he was an example of i i did i had never heard any silver jews or purple man any, like any of his music until unfortunately he died and i ended up listening to that record purple you know a lot and um that song in particular is like i think the most crushing given what happened but uh like i it's kind of a, a phenomenon and i don't know if this is like happy or sad but recently obviously as like tons of people are dying of covid19 like all these uh i'm i keep discovering amazing music that I didn't know until the person died. I can't tell if that's like a, a happy or sad thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, it happens, unfortunately. This year, I got really into the first Fountains of Wayne album after yeah. the guy passed away from COVID. Great band. Jerseyans. Hell yeah. I'm from Verona, New Jersey, which is not too far from the location of the former Fountains of Wayne fountain store. Nice. <laughs> I've driven by there many times. I've never actually been to Fountains of Wayne, though. Yeah. Uh, Matt, my immediate thought based on the, uh, you know, uh, finding people's music after they die thing is that, you know, uh, in light of our current level of calamity, um, it, it would seem like, cool, like we've got some options for like how to accomplish that. Like if we want our record to get famous from us dying. But then I realized probably that with the current levels of calamity, 
I don't know. Uh, we're going to be eclipsed. Like, I don't know if it's going to be that significant. Nobody's going to notice our record more because we die in all of this. No. I'd still want to fake my own death at some point. <laughs> yeah, that's fun. That's just that'll, totally That'll fun. sell some records, I think. Absolutely. Because you get a double, you get the initial, like, oh, he died, like, let's check out the music. And then, the, like, when you when you get found out, people rediscover you again. It's like, this guy fucking faked his own death. And then you get a third one when you actually die. Yeah. <laughs> For real so this many time. Months, man, so many. And you can always fake it. So you can That's do it what unlimited I'm times. And they'll be surprised people every time. People will never time. know. Yeah, they'll never they'll never know if I really died. And then so when I actually die, there will always be this mystique that I'm alive somewhere. I dig it. I'm into it. Next every day I write the book by Elvis Costello off of Punch the Clock. Big yeah. Costello fan. I love him. Yeah, I know it's a lot of Costello. I picked that song in particular. That's just like that's just one of my favorite songs of all time. And it's interesting, like the way I came to that song and like the proof of how amazing it is, is my friend Emily in high school, she worked at fucking CVS and they would have like the one store CD yeah. that played music, you know, and that they would have like the one CD for like six months or whatever. And she was like, there's this once, there's only one song that doesn't make me totally insane. And it's like actually a good song. And it was that song. So I started listening to that song. And yeah, I think it's like, <laughs> it's, it's proof that like, even, even if you hear it like multiple times every day, it doesn't get old. Like that's a pretty incredible like testament to a song, I think. I'm a big fan of that song. It's a great song. Yeah. Just feels good. It's like fun tune could hear it over and over again it doesn't it doesn't get old it's a, a masterwork masterpiece of costello next washing machine by the great sonic youth off of washing machine it's a great song uh i think that uh that that sonic youth that's what captured that's what captured my interest with sonic youth i think was that song it's the part towards the end uh, where it's like a hey uh, hey, honey, uh, here's a quarter. Go put it in the washing machine. But then it's also the and I looked up it and I looked up. You know the that whole ending part. Um, yeah, I just love that vibe. Um, I think that was actually like somehow super influential. I feel like if you were to deeply, for any of you where it's my spaceship scholars out there, if you were to deeply analyze my work, I'm sure that you could find, you know, yeah, find that influence there. Hell yeah. Then. Sour Breath by Julian Baker off of Turn Out the Lights. That's a that's a beautiful song. Um, I mean, J Julian Baker's a, you know, yeah, she she writes beautiful music. Um, I was listening to both of those records a lot last year. Um, just uh, I I was in the city a lot for a little bit, and so I was just like kind of like on the subway listening to that album, which is both um it's it's really intense but it's kind of really hopeful uh she deals with a lot of really serious subject matter in really exciting like kind of cool ways um that are very like frank um but like very you know like artfully crafted Gr great great songwriter yeah absolutely and then 
Do you realize by the flaming lips off of Yoshimi battles the pink robots? Do you realize? I love that song a lot. I think that... I think it just has that actually, you know what? I think that Do You Realize kind of has the uh, the can't lose spirit, right? It has the uh, the like, um, do you realize that you have the most beautiful face? Do you realize you're floating in space? Do you realize that happiness makes you cry? Do you realize that everyone you love someday will die? And instead of saying all of your goodbyes, let them know you realize that life goes down. You know, you're going to hear the song or you get to hear the song. I can't tell, time travel. Um, but uh yeah, I think that that totally gets the vibe. Um, just uh, that it's that it's okay. It is okay. Everything is okay, or is it fucking fucked? We don't know. Depending on who you listen to, Flaming Lips or Where Is My Spaceship. But right now we're listening to the Flaming Lips. Well, first we're listening to Big Thief, Purple Mountain, Elvis Costello, Sonic Youth, Julian Baker, and the Flaming Lips. And then we will be back to wrap things up.
roadside inn and where the guests inside And death is a black camel that kneels down so we can ride The dying's finally done, the suffering subsides All the suffering gets done by the ones we leave behind All the suffering gets done by the ones we leave behind On nights that won't happen With each other again Nights that won't happen Never reaching the end Nights that won't happen We can't even begin We can't even begin
past You realize the sun doesn't go down It's just an illusion caused by the We're back. I'm here with Josh and Matt of Where Is My Spaceship. We just played their record selections. We heard Replaced by Big Thief off of Two Hands. Nights That Won't Happen by Purple Mountains off of their self-titled album. Every Day I Write the Book by Elvis Costello off of Punch the Clock. Washing Machine, the title track from the Sonic Youth album Washing Machine. Sour Breath by Julian Baker off of Turn Out the Lights and Do You Realize by The Flaming Lips off of the 2002 record Yoshimi Battles the Pink Robots. Great picks, Josh and Matt of Where Is My Spaceship. All right. Thanks. We're coming to the end of the show, sadly. But everyone, just a reminder, Where Is My Spaceship's new album, Can't Lose, is out now. You can get it at whereismyspaceship.com. Listen to it on your streaming platform of choice. Before we go, let's play one more song from the record to send everyone off into whatever else they're doing after listening to this. This one's dedicated to me, Matt, <laughs> and Josh. That's going the in the three liner of us, notes. I'm, I'm going to go we, back and put that in the liner notes. Because <laughs> we, we had a lot of fun today. So we're going to play the prime fucking mover from Where Is My Spaceship's new album, Can't Lose. Matt and Josh, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having us. This was fucking great. You're both beautiful. Here it is, the prime fucking mover. I built a tower out of empties to heaven. Speaking in tongues of the bouncer. Telling the stars are just our eyes echoing back. Blink that's dead. But she'll always be.